Hi friends, your friendly neighborhood Ange here. Before I start the episode, I just wanted to say I have no idea why, but the sound quality is not great on this episode, particularly on my end, and I have no idea why. It sounded perfectly fine when I recorded it, but somewhere along the way, something happened and I can't seem to fix it. So it's still fairly clear. It just doesn't sound as great as the first episode that we did. And as you can see, the episode was pretty long, so we're not going to redo it again. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the episode. Let there be ducks. Welcome to Sleepless in St. Canard, where nostalgia replaces REM cycles. I'm Kitty. And I'm Ange. And we haven't slept in 30 years. This is a podcast about the 90s classic cartoon Darkwing Duck that was created, animated, voiced, written, and watched by humans. But clearly that wasn't enough for them as they needed to Kool-Aid man their way through the fourth wall in the show and set up shop to make everyone very uncomfortable. And yes, that's right, friends. Because we're watched twitching channels. But before we get into the meat, the meaty, meaty meat of this episode, I'm going to introduce a new segment to this podcast. One that will be aired quite frequently, I'm sure, and it's called <laughs> Kitty Doesn't Know Quack Corrections Corner, because it was brought to my attention by one of our listeners that Darkly Dawn's a Duck is, in fact, not the pilot of the show as I thought it was. But as friend of the podcast, Nem says, any episode with a launch pad in it can be considered the pilot episode, so touche. Keep that in mind, there are a lot of pilot episodes in this show. Funnily enough, Twitching Channels, not a pilot episode. But yeah, I am a, a babe in the woods in reference to Tad Stones and pretty much all facts in general, especially in the realm of Darkwing Duck lore. And Ange is more an authority on this, but she's very kind and she lets me tell blatant lies because she loves me. Yeah, it's kind of funny because when we recorded the previous episode and you did say that Darkly Dawns was the pilot. I know it's not. I already knew that, but I just could not be bothered to correct you. <laughs> I would prefer that you tell me because <laughs> then I don't have to make memes about it on the Twitter page. <laughs> our Twitter page, which is at Canard Pod, if you want to check it out, as well as our Facebook page, Sleepless in St. Canard, a Darkwing Duck podcast. I run the Twitter and runs the Facebook, so if you have a favorite, Please be sure to show that favoritism and the other one will cry. Or try harder next episode. We'll see. Maybe it, it'll become a battle. The technical pilot episode is that sinking feeling. That sinking feeling, which I then looked up and I was like, oh, it's a Moliarty episode. That's why I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I forget he as a character exists. I remember like him on occasion, but... I think it's interesting because I do think that that plays in a bit to today's episode or to Twitching Channels. Moliarty? Yes. I could tell by the confusion in your voice that you did not notice it. So once we get into the meat, the meaty, meaty meat, the triple decker sandwich of this episode, I will enlighten you. Okay, yeah, because I'm kind of curious. I will say the one little bit of Darkwing Duck related news I wanted to share for the week is that Quacker Jack was added to the Disney Heroes game, which is a phone app that I've been playing for a little over a year now. 
And they already have Megavolt and Darkwing, so the fact that they added Quackerjack was pretty exciting. He looks great, too. Yeah, he looks good, and I was watching a review by somebody, and apparently he's incredibly overpowered at the moment, and they're demanding he be nerfed, which is amazing. <laughs> Actually, that happened with Darkwing, too. There was a glitch where Darkwing was way more powerful than he should have been. I think he was breaking shields or something 100% of the time, and he wasn't supposed to, and <laughs> it caused so mass. Darkwing, Darkwing coded his own character for that game. <laughs> Yes, and it was just mass chaos. The only thing that surprises me is that... Are you familiar with the game at all, Kitty? I played it until I got super annoyed and stopped. The amount of time that I play mobile games is usually far too much for a week, and then I'm done. So I don't even know that I encountered Darkwing, let alone got him. Okay, well, you remember they have friendships, right? All the characters have at least friendships with two other characters. And sure. I was surprised that Megavolt was not one of Quackerjack's friendships, or vice versa. So for Quackerjack, his friendships are with Slinky Dog and Lock, Shock, and Barrel from Nightmare Before Christmas. I could dig it. Yeah, because he's a toy. Probably has great conversations with Mr. Banana Brain. And who doesn't love Lock, Shock, and Barrel except for 90% of Halloween Town? <laughs> yes. I have a feeling that they're slowly going to bring in the entire Fearsome Five because it just kind of seems weird if they only put in Megavolt and Quackerjack at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in Bushroot and Liquidator next. Negaduck is you know, probably going to be last because they like to torture me that way. Yeah, so that is our Darkwing Duck-related news of the week. If you have any ideas about who Liquidator's the next one, tell us who you think their two best friends in the game would be, but they can't be from Darkwing Duck. So open up any Disney property you want, put it on the dartboard. You could be a Disney writer like the rest of us. <laughs> Do we want to <laughs> jump into the episode? Yes, we've done our house cleaning. Let's get into it. All right, so this is the part of the episode we are going to discuss the episode Twitching Channels, which if you're watching on Disney+, Plus, it is season one, episode 42. If you want to pause this podcast now and watch that episode do that right now and then when you're listening to this part you'll have watched the episode and you'll know what we're talking about so Ange is going to give us a lovely summary of the episode take us away Ange. why thank you first off wow you did your homework there <laughs> actually looked up where it is on disney plus i did and you know what's funny too the next episode that tried to play after it dances with bigfoot no <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud. <laughs> Terrible. Okay, so the episode is a Megavolt episode, and it is kind of an alternate universe episode. Not kind of. It is an alternate universe episode where Megavolt has this remote control that he has invented called the Electrolyzer, but I just called it the Zappy Zappy remote. And he uses it to, like, jump through TV screens and travel through TV airwaves. Then Darkwing gets pulled in with him, and then, I, I don't know, one of them gets hit by lightning. I can't even remember. I watched this last night. Anyways, they end up in another universe, and it is technically our universe, as in the human world, where Darkwing Duck is a cartoon, and they have to try and figure out how to get back to St. Canard, and they meet a bunch of different characters that we will talk about and also, Herb Muddlefoot is in it, and that is always noteworthy. King of my heart. More happens in this episode that I remembered. 
And the Disney Plus episode description cracked me up a little bit. It's one line. It says, Megavolts and Darkwing Duck have to work together. That's it? That's it. Like, zounds. <laughs> E-gods. <laughs> Cooperation. <laughs> Amazing. Well, yeah. So, right off the top of the bat, I did not remember her being in this episode at all. I love Herb Muddlefoot. I love me some Herb Muddlefoot. He came on screen and my little heart exploded and I had to pause it and scream Herb at the TV. Did you? <laughs> as, is, as is tradition. Oh, Herb! Like he could hear me. <laughs> he could. He could in his heart. And I also have to say, Darkwing Duck theme song, still a bop, still makes me groove with it. It's a good one. What, is this the first episode you've watched in a while? Yes. Are you just dead inside? You don't care about the theme song anymore? <laughs> You're talking as if you haven't heard it in a very long time, but I've heard it many times recently. In your sleep. <laughs> you have six pages of handwritten notes about this I episode. I do. Well, I do. And it covers my thought process through the entirety of it. It's disjointed as my mind is. But we can, we can start from the top if you want to hear some of my notes. Let's start with the first scene with Megavolt. It opens up with a pretty cool still shot of St. Canard, which is neat because it was mostly greens. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And we get to hear a clip of, I think, a show that never appears in the show universe again. That is, Goosey, I'm home! <laughs> I love Goosey. Why didn't they bring... Like, I would have loved to hear more about I Love Goosey. <laughs> we get a lot of TV shows in this episode, aptly. That one, I was just like, oh, oh, damn, okay. We're going right... We're hitting right for the fences. And I have to say, I paused a lot in this episode to write down my extensive notes, and it's always a wonder. It's always a wonder what frame you stop on is always a masterpiece of what is happening there. <laughs> They're so beautiful. So we start with the big scene of St. Cadard, and then we pan in to Megavolt's lair, okay? It's an apartment building with a giant light switch on the front of it, and the world's most intricate and giant fire escape going down the side. So our dude never has to worry about being burned alive in a fire because he just needs to step out onto the fire escape, and he's six feet away from the building. You are way more <laughs> observant than I was. I didn't look at any of this stuff. <laughs> And we never see this one again, I don't think. Because I remember him being in a lighthouse. That's his lair in the comic book capers. He's in an apartment in the episode where all the appliances come alive. Revolution and home appliances? Yes. Probably. So just, you know, where could Megabolt be hiding? Oh gosh, I don't know. How about the building with the giant light switch on the outside? It also opens with, I think, one of the greatest Megavolt lines in the show, which is hard because everything he says is gold. I love him so much. He's one of my favorite villains. He does the... They call me crazy. They call me insane. They called me loony. And boy, were they right. <laughs> Classic. So he's giving a very impassioned speech to the lamps with no lampshades and his TVs and his blender and everything. And did you notice that he has a monologuing podium set up right in front of his lamps and his TVs and everything that he uses for five seconds to talk to them? <laughs> like he's giving a presidential speech? 
my very first note at the top of this page is just lights clapping question mark because yes, you hear like clapping <laughs> yes and he really really enjoyed plugging that electrolyzer in that is my second note. I 100% do not recall Megavolt groaning with pleasure as he plugs himself in. It was just like, oh, okay. Should we be watching this? There's light bulbs present. <laughs> and then it brings up a question for me. Does that plug on his chest connect to anything? Because he acts like it does, but... In other episodes, it seems, you know, the magic is inside him all along. Like, he's the source <laughs> of his powers. But there's the battery on his back and the prongs on his head. So, is he just, like, the world's best prop comic? I'm just thinking know. about how gross that is when you think about it. If he's plugging himself in with the plug on his chest, is the metal going into his body? Right? That too! Because, you know, they're, like, normal-sized prongs, and the thing on his chest isn't normal size. Like, does he have an outlet in his chest? Is it, like, a pacemaker? What's he does have to him? charge himself, because I do remember in the Negaduck episode, he's at the old haunt, and he has a battery or something that he's hooked himself up to, and he's charging himself. I guess he has electric powers, but he also has to charge himself regularly. Or maybe that's just his way of drinking, like the equivalent of having a drink. See, he's the world's ultimate prop comic. He would make a killing on whose line is it anyway? <laughs> so there we go. We have a myriad of questions about Megavolt, and we haven't even gotten into the first five minutes of the episode. Yeah, so then he demonstrates his powers, he jumps into the wires, and then there's a whole bunch of little silly gags of him, you know, going into the toaster and somehow coming out as toast. You know, that, that old chestnut. But when he goes into the TV with the color, the test pattern colors move apart like a swag curtain yes fantastic that's a great visual gag i was like that is so good and then throughout the episode i just kept going wow that's a great visual gag they know their stuff these guys this is good this is good stuff <laughs> like i had to convince myself to keep watching like i don't really <laughs> love this show <laughs> they're super good and i love that he's on his like yeah all right i'm gonna do this now i'm gonna infiltrate the airwaves and rob things and the first place he hits up is hamburger hippo <laughs> priorities <laughs> i also unabashedly adore hamburger hippo i think it's great i love the building i love that the hippo's bottom teeth are the stools where people sit i love it i would eat there i would get a stomach ache after and i would go back again i love it it's just a giant Hippo with its mouth hanging open in the middle of a street. Would you eat a hamburger hippo? I absolutely would. Okay, there we go. Disney hamburger hippo pop up. Make it happen. Seth Rogen, if you're listening, I know you are, buddy. <laughs> hamburger hippo pop up for your eventual Darkwing Duck reboot. And I love that after Megavolt pops out of the TV and just helps himself to the money in the register... The poor, very confused man who was just trying to watch horror movies while no one was at Hamburger Hippo. He's just like, thanks, come again? <laughs> Speaks volumes to the random St. Canardians. I think they're used to this kind of stuff at this point. It's just like, ah, another one. Another villain doing its thing. He's like, well, I didn't get zapped or I didn't get, you know, turned into a plant and murdered by everyone's favorite serial killer, Bushroot. <laughs> 
So that was sadly the end of our hamburger hippo. And then he goes to the, the TV salesman who has super shiny hair for some reason. And that's the next gag where he steals a whole bunch of TVs. But he could have gone anywhere. He could have gone to a bank. He could have gone to the Federal Reserve. He could have gone anywhere. You know, I'm going to steal these TVs. Steal some money out of the hamburger hippo register. Because you know why? Don't ask why. It's fine. All right. What do you have next in your notes? Next in my notes is the point where I paused the show and screamed Herb at my television. Okay. Acceptable. Yes, because we get to see King of Avian Way, Mr. Herb Muddlefoot. And I did not at first realize that they were going into Herb's house. So we get to see the interior of the Muddlefoot home, which is very minimalistic in the decor. I figured that they'd be the kind of people with, you know, pictures all over the walls and tchotchkes and things laying all over the place. But uh, we do have some nice doilies draped on the couch. Because Binky is living her best grandma aesthetic life. And where are they? Where are the Muddlefoots? Except for Herb. Are they out on the night of the town with Launchpad and Goslin? Because they also do not appear in this episode. And if that is the case, I'd watch that. I'd watch a Binky tank, honker, Goslin, Launchpad outing all day long. It's funny because you're like paying attention to surroundings and the layout and I focused more on the character motivations. Like my next note was how did Herb convince Drake to actually help him? Why would Drake agree to help him? That was my first thought. I mean, maybe he was complaining about how it was so heavy and, you know, he hurt himself and Drake, but he wouldn't leave Drake alone. And Drake was like, you know what, fine, I'll help you bring it inside, Herb. All right, whatever. But hold the door. So this is a super... Heavy box. Drake is struggling with it, and then instantly it's revealed that it's filled with packing paper and has a single remote control inside. Drake, I think you need to uh, hit the gym. Oh, my friend, you are just crushed under the weight of your disappointment in Herb and having to be inside. Maybe the Muddlefoot house is Herb's kryptonite. We'll never know. We can't know these things. But Herb is absolutely ecstatic about this turbo technic remote control it does everything and i want one i could get a remote control that turns on everything and then cleans up after me i would use it and i would make my neighbor carry it in for me too but of course we cannot allow herb muddlefoot to have nice things because as soon as the television comes on we have megavolt on jeopardy with mice rats yes what is this show what's happening Clearly, it's a rodent-themed game show. That's why Megavolt's on it, because he's a rat, Ange. Because he's rat. He's not a dog-nosed creature. We need to reserve that for when we eventually do an entire episode on Tadstones and the things he says. (laughs) So, in the next rapid-fire things, another great visual gag is on where Drake keeps changing the channels, and Megavolt's always on them. And then he starts going into, like, the themed shows. Megavolt is instantly in a different outfit. And I thought that was really great, too. Also, we get to meet Opal Windbag. <laughs> and she is saying supervillains and the women who love them. I, I felt would very be... called out from that. I was going to say, that's a good name for an episode of our podcast where we could talk to fans about their favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> With, you know, interchangeable gender-specific pronouns or, or no gender-specific <laughs> pronouns at all. 
So Megavolt comes out of the television, steals the remote, and Herb Muddlefoot's heart shatters into a thousand pieces. And Megavolt makes him cry. He's beside himself. And I was beside myself. I love the so notes I, that you sent me for this. It was, Herb cries, Megavolt, you monster. <laughs> and then you sent me your note back, which was, Herb is inconsolable. <laughs> and I said, and so am I. <laughs> oh, poor Herb. But Herb is so beside himself, even through his grief, when Drake says, I'll get that low wattage worm, Herb is instantly just like, you? <laughs> like, ah, I mean, not me. I'll find someone to do it. It's fine. It's cool. Shut up. Why are you smart about this and nothing else? So that's our lead in there. So at this point in the episode, I had already seen Herb. I did not expect to see him. And I remember them going to the human part of this episode much quicker. But we're still not even there yet. No, that actually doesn't happen until the halfway point of the episode. Yeah, I was surprised. So then we get to see Darkwing riding on the rat catcher. And the rat catcher's so cool. It is a dumb looking thing. It's a giant duck beak, but it's the coolest (laughs) It's the coolest motorcycle. It's like riding a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> it's it's got everything. I mean, mostly powered by plot because I don't think there are very consistent things that he whips out of it. But I just love it. And we get a lot of I am the terror that flaps the nights in this one. I think we get three in total. Wow, you kept track of this stuff. I did. The first one is I am the low ratings that cancel your program. Hmm. Mm-hmm. because Darkwing, he had a long time to think up a line while he was driving to the one building with a giant light switch on the front. So then after he does his I am the terror bit, he pulls out a plunger and I'm like, hmm, okay. And then Mugavolt <laughs> screams and says, what are you going to do? Unclog my sink? And in my head, I could see one Disney executive screaming into the writer's face, you can't say toilet. <laughs> we can't admit that these characters shit. <laughs> Unclog the sink. Unclog the sink. Okay, okay. All right, we'll make it we'll make it a sink. Then that plunger is expertly wielded to volley back the electricity effortlessly at Megavolt. Makes you wonder why Darkwing just doesn't always have a plunger on him when he faces Megavolt. The only note that I have for this entire scene is in quotes, just remove a hairball in Negaduck voice. <laughs> I don't even remember why I wrote that. Well, that's his response to what Megavolt says. A plunger? <laughs> what are you going to do, unclog my sink? <laughs> no, just remove a hairball. He does go down into the growly Negaduck register, with, and then your brain checks out, Inch. I understand it's fine. <laughs> I blacked out after that because I don't really mention anything for a little while <laughs> related to anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so while the Ange was buffering... That's when they go flying into the TV set, and then we switch back over to Herb Muddlefoot, the innovative angel of the suburbs. He changes those channels with his unflipped flop feet, making the best of his life without his new fancy remote control. And then we switch over to a uh, soap opera called The Old and the Worthless, which <laughs> oof, oof. <laughs> the main actress on that show could be a dead ringer for Binky, except she has a bill. So is she living a double life? Does Maybe. she have like a prosthetic bill? And this is like her, where is your wife? Where is she? 
I'm worried about her. So that's the first show that we're on. And then the channel changes to the science thing. The science show. And that guy looks like he is a body double for one of the Dr. Larry and Dr. Gary that Bushwoot takes care of in his first episode. But as he zaps that scientist guy, there is a stock scream that plays that I had to stop. And I did I it had too. to do some research because it's not the Wilhelm scream. I can I do this part? It's... I also researched it too. Oh yeah, do it. And I was like, that's not the Wilhelm scream. What is it? So go ahead, tell the story. I'm excited. We both did this. <laughs> okay. So just like you, I heard that part with the scream and I said that that's not the Wilhelm scream. So I paused <laughs> it. I typed into Google other scream that isn't Wilhelm scream. And it came up with one article that was actually really informative, and it said that it's called the Howie Scream. Yep. And then there was a bunch of videos showing what it appeared in, the original thing. Yeah, it, appeared it in. originated in the film Broken Arrow, where the character played by Howie Long is found dead. So that's why it's called the Howie Scream, because it's somebody finding his dead body. Not quite. No! Okay. Pretty sure that movie aired in 1994, which would be after Darkwing Duck. Oh, wow. Oh, the night? Then go for it. It originates in a 1980 movie called The Ninth Configuration. Oh. But I think it got the name from what you were talking about. From Broken Arrow? Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it's most well known for, although apparently Darkwing Duck did it first. <laughs> See? He gets no respect. Even in this fictional human world that we live in. Oh yeah, the Howie scream, look at us. Even not Darkwing Duck things, you do better research than I do. So I tip my hat to you, ma'am. It's the lower register, like, scream, and not the Wilhelm scream, which is like, Wah! <laughs> I love your impression. It's also, yeah. do you remember Ah, Real Monsters? Oh, yes. It's at the end of the theme. Now yeah. that you say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then Crumb Giggles. Which, yeah, that was a good show. But anyway, we're talking about Darkwing Duck right now. We'll start our <laughs> Ah, Real Monsters podcast next week. So then the machine that's in that Science Guy show, Megavolt, is like, oh, I used to have one of these things. And in typical Disney fashion, it has like a bike horn on it for some reason. <laughs> but what is it? Like, he only says, oh, I used to have one of these things. But then it just, it's able to blast them into another universe? Is well, that he, a cake he, in disguise? He called it an atom splitter, didn't he? I don't remember what he called it. That's the one thing I did not feel like going back and getting the notes on. So I believe you if that's what he called it. Because all I wrote was Megavolt. Why did you have an atom splitter as a kid? Didn't you? Maybe it's an American thing. <laughs> Through this Deo 6 machina, our characters are blasted into and out of another TV set into the human world. But of course they materialize in a mall and Megavolt's immediate reaction to seeing humans is to scream and run away, which... Fair. Same. Same. It's a very appropriate response, and Darkwing's response is to scream monsters <laughs> and try to run away, and then he calls them hideous beakless mutants. And you know what? Fair. It's, it's very fair. Very fate. Then, of course, we meet Darkwing's little teeny bopper fan club, Wow, check it out! Is that the biggest duck you've ever seen, or what? Do you think it's real? Well, of course I'm real! Hey, it's Darkwing Duck! Wow! Oh. You, 
you know me? With a child and a mullet doing a Gaston closet cosplay. It seems like, which <laughs> they have a, abnormally huge feet, which I stared at for quite a while. And then mullet child Gaston asks a very poignant question that says, what's the deal with Launchpad? And wouldn't we all like to know? <laughs> it's true. I also noted that Darkwing is shorter than a human child. Yeah, he is shorter than everybody in this episode. So, Except for that one guy that we'll Lefou. talk about. We'll get to him in a moment. <laughs> yes, we'll get to him. So, and the, these kids ask the good questions, though, because then the little girl is like, what's your job? How do you pay your bills? Please answer them, Drake. And he's just like, what? Um, I don't... And then, of course, you know, the theme song comes on again. But in the course of that theme song so this is where moliarty comes in in the course of that theme song as they're watching it and darkwing's like i'm a cartoon oh ho 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 so funny there is a clip in the theme song that's not in the actual theme song that is dark and launchpad facing off with moliarty oh yes i do remember that i was too busy though i just wrote a bunch of notes insulting the clothing that the children were wearing fashion critic here so I think that in my mind, I feel like this episode, if they had the budget to do it, I feel like it would have been funner if when they came to like the human world that it was live action oh. and him and Megavolt were like puppets or something. Or like Howard that- the Duck style. Oh my god. Oh, please not like Howard the Duck style. But you know what, <laughs> Seth Rogen? Free notes for you. We know this is what you're going to do for the pilot episode, even though Launchpad is barely in it. <laughs> but you're welcome to have these, Seth, friend of the podcast. So yeah, now we have reached Angie's fashion corner. Please tell us about mullet child Gaston and his friends. Well, I'm glad you pointed out the mullet because that was the first thing that I wrote, specifically mm-hmm. that it offends me on a personal level. But I was also noting that I don't know of any child in the 90s who wears pearl necklaces with striped stockings. It's very accessorized. I stuck this into the 90s references, didn't I? Like the outdated references yes. category. Yes. And this is why, because I don't even think these were things in the 90s unless this is specific to the US and I'm not aware. And then, like you said, mullet kid. He was wearing a surprisingly, like, sophisticated outfit for a kid. He had, what was it? It was like a little, like a sweater vest. It was like a sleeveless tunic with a belt on, but he had a shirt on underneath it. And then he was wearing shorts that went to his knees. So he was (laughs) doing his closet cosplay Gaston as best he could. Amazing. And then I also noted that Darkwing was not at all concerned when they asked about Goslin. They asked like, where's Goslin? And they ask about Launchpad and he's just like, oh, you know, and he gets interrupted before he answers, but he's not surprised. It's only when they ask about Drake Mallard that he's suddenly concerned. He should know that most people don't know Goslin's association with him. So I'm surprised he didn't respond to that. Well, it was a one-two punch. He's like, when you're Drake Mallard, what do you do for money? And he's like, what are you, a cop? (laughs) Tax evasion, come on. (laughs) What do you do? Pearl necklace child? (laughs) He's very myopic. He thinks about himself, our dearly dear dark winged duck. And then, you know, they, these kids who were raising him one second, instantly trample him figuratively and literally in the next moment. Do you have any more fashion thoughts for us or? This was the point of the episode where I wondered if this was a bit of a call out to the fans. I have a feeling that these are questions that Tad and other writers probably get all the time. 
or at the mm-hmm. time that this show was airing. It just felt like they were not mocking or making fun of fans, but it felt like they were making a meta commentary. It was very much a, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, look, these kids are like you. Now buy our <laughs> merchandising. Let's go over to the Darkwing Duck store or you can get a board game, which they did have a board game. You can get a shirt. They still have shirts. You can get anything you want. And he, of course, is like, oh, my God, this is great, until he realizes he's not getting a cut of the profits. But the next thing that I could not wait, dear listeners, I am very sorry. <laughs> I could not wait. To share this thing with Ange, I was like, I need to send you, because it is a visual thing that happens in the episode. So when Darkwing is in the store, and where all this merchandise is, right before he's like gearing up to do the big old cartoon run out of the store, there is a picture on the cash register <laughs> of Darkwing, and it's the most low resolution, <laughs> derpy dinky drawing I think I may have ever seen of him, and I needed a minute. It just, it cracked me up. It might become the new, like, avatar for the podcast for a while. Put it on, like, the Twitter header? Yes, it might be the new Twitter header, because I did make a screenshot from Slime Okay, You're Okay, because I'm a terrible person. (laughs) And I'll change that to something from this episode now. But, oh, I cannot... I cannot recommend enough that you look this up. I will also take a proper screenshot of it and put it on the Twitter because I, I, I'm, a, I'm oddly obsessed with it and it's just, it brings me great joy. <laughs> I wish there was a Darkwing Duck store. I rewound and I was looking to see if they showed the storefront to imply if it was actually a Darkwing Duck store or just a toy store and they didn't really show a clear shot. He goes from standing outside where they're watching the TVs and suddenly he just walks off screen and he's in the store. It's like a really weird transition, so we'll never know for sure, but I want to believe in my heart that there is an entire store dedicated to him. Strictly. It's like a Sanrio store, only everything is Darkwing. Darkwing is like, wait a second, I'm not going to get cut of these profits. And then he hounds those children again to ask who makes these Darkwing Duck cartoons because he owes me money. And that's when we hear the dreaded name Thaddeus Rockwell. This cad. This cad and his <laughs> two-on-the-nose taste in architecture of Darkwing Duck literally holding up his building. <laughs> <laughs> Did it's you like, catch oh, the whole nameplay with that? Thaddeus Rockwell, a cad stone. Yeah, because Tad is short for Thaddeus, and obviously they were going with a stone, rock kind of thing. He goes inside the animation studio. Animators are making the magic, but then there's three who I'm sure are people who worked on the show. Okay, first off, he goes into the studio, and you can see all the animators at their desks, and I noticed that they were flipping their papers, which is what you do when you're animating traditionally, and I had horrible flashbacks to animation school because that (laughs) that was just me for three years sitting at one of those desks and just flipping endlessly pulling all-nighters so I I felt for these fictional animators and you were correct so the three men that he approaches I was like okay these designs look a little too realistic and specific to just be random so I was like well I could probably look into this but I'm also lazy but you know who probably does already know this and has probably researched this and has probably talked about it? 
the St. Canard Files. Oh, see, they do our homework for us. <laughs> so I went on over to the St. Canard Files and I looked up twitching channels because they had already done an episode for it. And sure enough, Mike had gone into great detail about how when he wrote an episode review for this, he went to Tad and he asked him who these characters were. And they are as follows. So one of them is the animation director, Robert Zamboni. And the other is the producer, Alan Saslov. He said he wasn't sure who the third guy was. It could be Toby Shelton. And also the secretary that Darkwing approaches is directly based on Tad's secretary at the time. Okay. So thank well, you, well, St. Canard Files, for doing your work Files. for me. Okay, so yeah, so there's the, the three animator guys who now we know who most of them are. But they, when faced with their muse, bolt immediately, <laughs> proving that animators are not as hardy of spirit as random mall rat children. They're just like, nope, and they run away. The receptionist, she's actually just Wiley Coyote hiding behind that book because she just instantly drops a re- they're in the real world and she drops an anvil on him so i mean he does say i should have expected this from a cartoon studio which fair <laughs> enough but i was just like okay and then of course she's immediately thwarted by her own rolling chair he just pushes her down the aisle and that's good enough <laughs> then we move on to darkwing peering through a crack in the door and watching the sins of corporate america of Thaddeus and LeFou. Is that you? <laughs> Mullicaston is at the mall. You should go find him. <laughs> but, no, this is this is Crosby. It's totally not LeFou, even though I'll be calling him LeFou for the rest of this episode. So he's like pitching him Apes of Wrath, I think. And he's like, I don't know. You're the writer. Figure it out. Which we find out eventually that Thaddeus has a helmet that he just listens to all of Darkwing's adventures on. So if he knows how all of Apes of Wrath goes, why is he just going to be like, oh, I don't know, you figure it out. <laughs> Maybe and he just he gets like, the gist of it, and then he gets the writer to do all the writing. Could be. And then Thaddeus knocks a golf ball into LeFou's mouth, and it never comes out. And the only note I put here is Disney corporate putting their balls in their writer's mouths. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so I guess that's just behind closed doors at the Disney offices Crosby my... is actually also based on a real person Kevin Hops, his middle name is Crosby and he is the story editor of this episode ah, I wonder how he felt about this <laughs> <laughs> he may like have he written it himself he may, he may also I guess he he did stay on after this i should hope either that or he moved on to rescue rangers didn't rescue rangers come before because it was 1989 i don't know you're the one that knows all the things but then this prompts us to get to our eye in the terror that flaps of the night number two which is the omni auditor that wants to check your books and then he starts demanding money and then that leads me to my next talking point of darkwing is fixated on getting money for the profits that they're making off his name which you know fair enough he also wants to go back to St. Canard. Is he under the assumption that the money from the human world will be real currency in his own world? Or does he just want to go buy a whole bunch of his own merchandise and bring it back? They kind of answer that a little bit at the end, sort of. Do they? Not really with the money-related thing, but the merchandise-related part. Do you want to tell me now? Because <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> he whips out 
Oh, right. He has the, the, the action figure. Which he didn't buy. Did he shoplift? Uh, you know what? He took it from the kid. Oh. He took it when the kid's like, oh, Thaddeus Rockwell. Everybody knows he makes Darkwing Duck. He had it. And I really thought that he was going to, like, squeeze it and its head was going to pop off. But he kept it. I guess he just pocketed it. He stole from a child. The hero of St. Canard. My favorite Darkwing Duck line in this entire episode pops up at this point. Now, wait a minute. Any profit belongs to me. I created you. Oh, that's certainly going to surprise the heck out of Mom and Dad. Yes. And that's interesting, too. I have that in my notes because he says it in the present tense. Well, that's sure going to surprise the heck out of Mom and Dad. Darkwing, are your parents alive? It's interesting how most people just assume they're dead. Yeah. So... That's that was a big question mark for me too. I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay, all right. We'll never know an answer to it, but all right. <laughs> and then we have Thaddeus's weird little, you know, flashback of how he got a helmet. And it's at this point in the episode that I realized that Thaddeus visually is essentially a human launch pad. You think? He's got, he's got the same build, and he's got the same like whoosh of hair, and he's got a massive chin. Like, I thought he was he, more like Comet Guy in design. Comet Guy was more muscles, as I recall him. I don't recall much Comet Guy because I think I've only watched his episodes once in my You've life. You've blocked him out of your memory. No, I do recall his laugh. I do recall that he is terminally dumb. I think it was the hair for me that I was like, you know, he could he could be a passable human launch pad. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Random observation. Interesting. So he tells Darkwing this whole, you know, I got this helmet from a cereal box. And Crosby is just like, oh, well, he must have tuned into your world like a radio. How do you know that? How do you? He could only hear Darkwing. He couldn't see him. So how the heck was the cartoon so accurate? Although Darkwing claims they draw his beak too big. But otherwise, everything is precise. Like, was he listening in complete, intimate detail to Darkwing's every moment in order to really dig up all that information? I know, I have that down too. I was like, he nailed every visual part of the Duckverse and all he had was his ears and his imagination. So, I don't know. For a show about a a talking duck, this is pushing it, I think, for reality. (laughs) (laughs) This is where we draw the line. This is it! I suspend my disbelief no longer! (laughs) Yeah, so then he starts smoothing Darkwing, and apparently there's several Darkwing Duck albums that already exist because he flashes those like Darkwing can make more, and I I can't help but wonder what's on those CDs. And then he's like, oh, we'll get you a nice house in the country with a nice pond to splash around in. Oh, screw off, dude. And then Darkwing, of course, puts him right in his place, like, why don't I just live in the park? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, and he was, of course, was like, wow, that'll save on overhead because he's a jerk. I love Salty Darkwing. Salty Darkwing is fantastic. Like, yes, of course, we all love Darkwing. It's a good dad. But just when he gets to crank that jerk dial all the way up, it's just so good. And Jim is so good. When he's mocking the other characters or when he's just being sarcastic, it is so funny. He does it so well, and even when he's Herb, just like, I hear Herb's voice, and I smile. He's just so different. It's so different from Darkwing's voice that if you didn't know, like, you wouldn't know that it was the same guy doing both. He's great, and there's a bit that comes up 
that I love no matter what it is. And it's after, you know, the segment where he meets up with Megaville, then they turn into a Broadway production where he has to pretend like he's a bad actor. <laughs> it's Jim Cummings who's been acting for multiple characters in this episode, just being like, ah, oh, say Connard. Like, every, it gets me every time. Like, it's just so funny. I love when that happens. Ah, St. Kennard. Only I can... Yeah. <clears throat> ah, St. Kennard. Only I can... I'm never going to get this right. Who writes for this show anyway? They're going out of their way to make me look stupid. And then, you know, the book face receptionist comes back in because that roadrunner has put her through a lot more than what she just went through rolling down the, the aisle. And we are alerted to Megavolt apparently just ran out of the mall and found himself a tower to climb. <laughs> That's where he is. The news reporter's like, from that extremely popular cartoon series, Darkwing Duck. Yes. And it's wish fulfillment for everybody, I think, at that point. <laughs> and then Megavolt, of course, is screaming about, you know, eat sparks, you weird-nosed freaks. And then they always draw his nose wrong, too. And they get bond over that a little bit. And he begs Darkwing to take him home, kissing his feet. And this is kind of like, oh, okay, all right. You can see some fans' heads exploding at this point. So yeah, so then very easily they are both convinced that they should join a stage show. And then my question is, how much time has elapsed from them being on the tower for them to have made a giant Darkwing marquee to put on this theater, build St. Canard and Darkwing Tower, and write a stage show but they did not have any time to rehearse it. <laughs> Maybe they already had it all set up and ready to go because they were planning it anyways. And then they're like, now we can use the real people. Oh, okay. I'll buy it. I'll allow it. And I think my favorite part of this is Thaddeus Rockwell says something about giving a little more oomph as he pushes Darkwing, who's tied to a rope and he's swinging around like he's flying. And Darkwing just flies away and off into the distance and he's like, This is a live show! We have to give the fans more oomph! I'd like to give you some more oomph. <laughs> he just grumbles to himself. <laughs> yes, he's just so disgusted by all of it. Then, of course, everybody goes crazy when they see our hero, Darkwing, and then, of course, he hams it up and Megafold is just sitting on the stage like a kicked puppy and he's just like, man, I don't want to do this. And he's pouting and it cracked me up. And then of course everything falls to pieces, quite literally. And I have to say, I am shocked, absolutely shocked that there was not a single bringing down the house pun. Mm. I was waiting for it. It didn't happen. But somehow the head trauma of an entire set falling on Darkwing made him remember that Thaddeus had the helmet and then that's their way to get back home because they can tune into the frequency of their dimension and zap themselves back home. Megabolt gets to put on the helmet and it looks pretty cute on him even though he's just got jumper cables strapped to the sides of his head and he's immediately like, I can't wait to go back to robbing banks. And I'm like, are oh, you mean robbing hamburger hippos? <laughs> Megavolt? She can just steal the buns and run. Of course, there's an ultimate betrayal. And they get, you know, of course, Darkwing gets to whip back at him. And then they get zapped away. And then that's when the helmet starts tuning in to Jim Cummings doing yet another voice of good old Monterey Jack. 
Crosby is like, oh, hey, that's not a bad idea for a show. Stare at the camera, break the fourth wall. And then immediately we get our dear friend and champion of our hearts, Herb Muddlefoot, back on screen again. The poor man is just minding his own business. Now with his feet propped up on a coffee table. Did you notice his head was really abnormally small in the opening scene of that? It was very small (laughs) as he was breaking through the fourth wall to talk to us. And then, of course, he gets a Darkwing and a Megavolt to the face and just lays immobile, possibly dead, buried in a bowl of popcorn for the remainder of the episode. (laughs) He was just trying to enjoy his life and he was murdered in his own home. And then, of course, you know, it's very dynamic fight scene ending with Megavolt being trapped in a tiny little light bulb. Like, and that's an all, folks. And it, like, you know, closes in on him. As he's like, I'm going to see a man about making me some toys, because I'm dealing with copyright. That's the end of our episode. I liked it more than I remembered liking it. So uh, do we want to go on to our quackerware freshness scale? So you give your final thoughts and your rating. I'm going to give it a four quackerwares out of five. That's pretty fresh. That's pretty fresh. Mine is also a four out of five better than I remembered it being. I did not remember so much Herb, and so then I have to edit my rating to uh, 20,000 out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> because I know what I'm about. But it was a good one. I liked it. It definitely made me laugh. And and Castellaneta, or however you say his name, he is a gem as well. He just nails everything that is given to him. He's just, Megavolt is hysterical. I just love him so much. Megavolt gets the most episodes, too, of any villain, and I think that's why. Because he's so funny. He's great. He's so good. He's got such a distinctive voice, too. I mean, there's another role that he did that is from another show of, like, a similar era that I loved. It was Earthworm Jim. He was the voice of Earthworm Jim, but he was also the voice of Jim's evil twin. And Jim's evil twin is basically just Megavolt's voice. It's like a double whammy of nostalgia for me. Every time he starts talking, I'm like, oh, two things I love. (laughs) So, yeah, so that was Twitching Channels. We watched it. We did it. We talked about it. We have any more final thoughts or should we spin the wheel to see what we watch next? Let's spin that wheel. Let's spin that wheel. Oh, also, I wanted to say that we both had slotted switching channels into different classifications. Mm-hmm. I had put it under alternate universe and you had put it under outdated pop culture reference. So I'm going to make a poll on Twitter so that our listeners can vote for themselves which one they think that it fits better into. I don't know if you have that capability on Facebook. You probably do. So feel free to run one over there. And then if we tie, then that just means you and I will have to joust. Fair, fair. fair right? Although I think we all know that it's definitely outdated references. I mean, there were so many of them. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that it's an alternate universe episode because they go to an alternate <laughs> universe. So this is why we need to have everyone else fight our battles for us so that we can remain in a happy, healthy marriage. Okay, so we are going to spin that wheel to see what the next episode we be watching is are you it. spinning it it's frozen <laughs> hold on let me reload this i guess oh god all right click it spinning it's spinning and oh, 
<laughs> we have a winner. It's slime okay. You're okay. Are you telling the truth here, or are you just saying that so that I'm forced I am, to? It literally says slime okay. <laughs> I'll share my screen. <laughs> so it is indeed slime. Okay, you're okay. Fantastic. I like you challenged me on that. You're like, no, no, God. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Ange, but we have to, we have to do it. Unless you want me to spin it again, this could have never happened. I don't think we can break the rules like that. We okay. gotta, okay. That remains steadfast. Our integrity remains unslimed. Okay, so next week we will be discussing the masterpiece of an episode near and dear to Ange's heart <laughs> slime okay you're okay i think we got a lot of her notes on it in our first episode but we will just have to sit here and listen to her scream for the next one which is fine this is what we signed up for yeah that's it we got any closing thoughts any other things you want to drop the email address in here again in case anybody has a question or something for us Sure, send us your questions and comments and deepest thoughts and feelings and whatnot at sleepless.saintcanard at gmail.com. St. Canard is S-T Canard. You can also visit the many locations because I just finished connecting the podcast to 12 different podcast places. So it is now on Google Podcast. It is on heart radio fm it is on three other places that i've forgotten basically just about anywhere that there is a podcast site the podcast is everywhere now you can't run from it we're stinking up everywhere and as we said kitty has the twitter and that was canard pod or pod canard yep, at canard pod canard pod canard pod a pod uh, of canards Yes, and I have the Facebook group. I actually have, okay, so there's a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And I don't really understand the difference between pages and groups, to be completely honest. I think pages are for businesses to post information and groups are for people to join and discuss. I don't, I don't know, but there's both. There is Sleepless Insane Canard Facebook group and there is a page. And I will also carve it into the Rosetta Stone so you guys can get it that way. But this is all pending. I just need to make some, some calls, get on some airplanes, call my pilot episode and see what happens. I think that's it for us, guys. If you do hear crying or feel a disturbance in the force in between this podcast and the next one, it's just Angie's soul dying as she listens and watches. Slime, okay, you're okay. So keep her in your thoughts, keep her in her mind. And remember that crime never sleeps. And neither do we. Goodbye, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.